glad to have Brother Judah back with us. Love this family and thankful that God connected them to restoration. Blessing to us. Praise the Lord again. Amen. Uh, great privilege to be back with you again today. And I want to say this, and you, you know, there's protocol that you've got to say uh, when you're introduced and brought before a church. But um, uh, my wife and I, my family and I, lo- love the Waldens. And um, Bo, I'd take a bullet for you. These are, these are special people. And uh, his bride, uh, value them very much and you are a privileged people to have them sent by God to be the watchtower to be the shepherd to be the pastor over your lives and your soul and your journey with God so uh, man love on them every chance you can find out what their love language is and if it's words then pour them words on them let them know that they're being loved if it's touch, which I think it might be, then go ahead and let pastor have a good hug every once in a while. And if it's, if it's you know, quality time, whatever it is, make sure that you show them that you love them and care so much that God has blessed us that they are pastor in this city with us. And I want to tie into, matter of fact, you can be seated. I need to uh, post script or PS from... Uh, last night and just pick up some things and then uh, we'll talk about some more gifts of the spirit that um, isn't that beautiful it's good to have my bride here today the wonderful talented capable luscious in the house today capable doesn't sound like a great compliment to me but she loves it so that's what's important she's very capable yes I know it's very capable in speaking of diversities of tongues um, yesterday and uh, the great move of God that was in the place, I skipped over what is probably one of the most familiar with diverse kinds of tongues or diversities of tongues. And that's the one here in 1 Corinthians that it is actually listed before the gifts with. I think I am going to try to uh, move a little forward or a little back. There's a little bit of a ring here. I think that's maybe a little better. If it doesn't work, I'll go to the pulpit. And um, this is listed here in the gifts of the Spirit with diversities of tongues. And the next listing is an interpretation of tongues. And this is probably one of the most um, familiar gifts after we receive the Holy Ghost, one of the most familiar diversities of tongues that we are familiar with. And it happens a lot of times like this in church service. In fact, Paul gives us specific instructions in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians around verse 27 and 28. And his speaking here is very much um, in context about happening in a church service. So it happens a lot like this, that we will be in a church service and there will be usually a holy hush that comes upon the congregation. 
There has been a word of God already preached, or there has been a tremendous touch of God in our worship service. And the Lord wants to speak to us specifically through a word and through an interpretation of that tongue word. And so he will move upon individuals to give a tongue. That's not anything that they have learned. It's not something that they have gone to school to understand. It's not here. It's here. And this tongue is specifically for an interpretation so that the church might be edified. Now, in the same chapter, chapter 14, Paul talks about the prophetic. And he even speaks about, if you read through chapter 14, that it's very important for us not just to go around everyone standing up and giving forth a diversities of tongue that just lets everybody know that we're speaking in tongues. That there needs to be an interpretation, speaking of this particular diversities of tongues. And so he's telling us here that there's a tongue that goes forth that needs to be interpreted. And so just the very fact that God uses it that way lets us see the fivefold ministry or the body of Christ in operation. Every time that Paul begins to instruct and find this in Corinthians, you'll find this in Ephesians, you'll find this everywhere that Paul begins to dissect and to divide so that we can understand ministries or offices or giftings. He always gives us the principle of the body. There's one body, and we are all members in particular of the body of Christ. So this is the same way here. But if we let one individual in the body begin to give forth the tongue that they're receiving from God, that gift, and then another begins to give the interpretation of what God was speaking through that individual, then it's the body being used together, and it's a commonality, it's a unity, it's an agreement together that happens. And when Paul gives this instruction, instruction, He says that there should be two or at the most three tongues that go forth. This is very important because the instruction of which he's declaring to us is that there needs to be a word spoken to us in our known language that gives us instruction. That's the reason this tongue has come forth. So we don't want to carry it on two and three and four and five and six until there's just 15 minutes of people standing up speaking in tongues. There's no value beyond two or at the most three speaking. But there is value for two or three speaking. So it's understanding that God is going to speak through us through one individual being used in diversities of tongue and another individual being used in interpretation of the tongue. And why God is using two, it's for there to be unity, for there to be balance, for there to be the five-fold ministry type operating among us. Is that too wordy, or did, does it kind of make sense what I'm speaking about there? I'm getting some nodding heads, and most of them are up and down. You're either nodding off or you're agreeing with me. So, Hopefully it's uh, was it the first or the second, so hopefully. And uh, it happens a lot of times like this, that there's a holy hush. It seems like uh, most of times it's not interrupting the service. Most of the time, and I believe it should be in the flow of the service. It should be when there's a significant spiritual pause. It should be 
after a completion of a sermon and even before an altar call. It should be after a wave of the Holy Ghost in the altar call and then that ebb and God speaking to us then. It should be in a worship service where there has come a time of outbreak of worship before God. And then as it begins to subside, then the natural flow would be for those that receive this diversity of tongue gift to operate. So in that proper place, it usually happens, and I'm speaking mostly from my experience of what I've seen and also how God has used me. It'll happen and you can feel it and people will begin to sense that God's about to speak to us this way. Now, when God presses me, uh, now that um, I have been... um, that I'm that I have been doing and experiencing this for a while, I can begin to realize maybe even in the beginning of the service that God is going to do this. Or God will actually speak to me and let me know what's going to happen somewhere in the service. Often for the sake of faith, I'll turn to someone and tell them God's going to speak to us through tongues, interpretation of tongues later on in the service. And it's just to build our faith. So if you do know before service, that would not be uncommon. But oftentimes that time comes and God begins to press an individual. And you're feeling a strong burden. You have been praying and asking God to use you in this gift. So you know what's coming upon you isn't something that God's just saying, hey, here, well, what's this? No, you've been praying, you've been talking, you've been asking God to use you in this gift. And so there comes that time you feel it happening. Now, often God will give me sometimes... Uh, an entire few sentences. It's almost like a paragraph that I can begin speaking. Oftentimes he gives me just one sentence. And if I don't have faith to respond in one sentence, I'm in trouble. Sometimes he has given me one word. Other times I've had a vision. I've literally seen heaven. And the gates of pearl. And he's not giving me any words, but he gave me the vision. So I opened my mouth and began to speak interpretation. So there is a, a um, I'm sorry, I've been speaking to you about interpretation. But when the tongue goes forth, it's absolutely a tongue that comes from the depths of your spirit and the depths of your heart. Now, knowing when to cut it off and to stop is very important. All right? You speak as long as the presence of the God is upon you to speak, and you stop immediately when the presence of God lifts that burden, regardless of if it feels like you're in the middle of a sentence, or regardless of if it feels like that you've not spoken in tongues long enough, because the last person that did it went 30 seconds, and you've only gone 20 You've you got to let go of all that stuff and just yield to the Holy Ghost and let that language that you've been praying for and asking God to use you in just begin to flow. Now, it's very good, and you'll feel this strongly, to lift up your voice so there's not confusion. So when you lift up your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you still need to be in tune. Because if there's some reason why you have missed the timing, and it can happen to anybody, you need to hear the instruction that's speaking to you. Not not right now. Hold that gift, okay? But if you feel the freedom and pastor or whoever's leading the service is not letting you go and you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, lift up your voice, speak it loud, and declare it. Understanding it should sound like what God is doing. God wants to speak a word to his people. So lift your voice and speak like God wants to speak a word to his people. And the Spirit will help you do that. You'll absolutely feel that, right?
Okay, so as not to confuse you, I'm going to go back and touch again the interpretation of that tongue. When the interpretation of that tongue begins to move, it's usually easy to see who God moves upon with that because while the tongue is happening, they're already starting to tremble. They already feel the power of the Holy Ghost upon them very strong. Now, there needs to be a confirming in the Holy Ghost. And pastor will give direction as he wants the direction to flow in this church service. But there does not have to be two tongues that go forth before the interpretation. There does not have to be three tongues that go forth before the interpretation. However, the reason why that happens a lot of times is because there's probably several people in the place that are asking, God, use me in tongues. And when that gift is happening, you're feeling an impartation. And so you're going to feel that gift begin to stir in you. Somebody is already speaking, somebody's already speaking, but you feel that gift operating in you. So it's okay if you're needing to start out to tie into what you're feeling there in the Holy Ghost as somebody else is operating in that gift and let that gift operate as well. It's also good for confirmation that Oftentimes, when God moves upon individuals, it will be many times someone that is newly in the gift and someone that is seasoned in the gift. So that brings good confirmation to the church. That it's not just an individual that's just starting, but someone that is seasoned also will feel that confirmation and begin to flow in it. It could happen first or it could happen second. Does that make sense? Now, when the third confirmation happens, this is Paul saying, make sure it doesn't go past three. Don't don't let it get where it's just everybody standing up speaking in tongues and nobody knows what God is trying to say and we're all just waiting there thinking, oh my goodness, when they're going to stop because we know God's wanting to speak to us. So it needs to be in order, decently and in order. And if that third tongue needs to come out, that's okay. It's going to be edifying someone, helping somebody, confirming something. This might even need to happen when two individuals that are just beginning to operate in that gift give successive gifts of tongues, and there might need to be a seasoned tongue that comes in the third. In my opinion, and pastor will let you know how he feels about and everything, I think the third should only be every once in a while when it's really needed because of what was given, what was done, the first two, uh, speaking of tongues. Okay, does that make sense? So it's important that you respond in uh, good time to when the Holy Ghost is moving upon you. There's that holy hush. Lift up your voice and speak as the Spirit of God is leading you. Very important to stop immediately when you feel the lifting of that. Doesn't matter what it sounds like or how long it is. If it's just five words, you, you need to stop immediately when it lifts off of you, when that burden goes. Don't add to and you don't take away. You've got to absolutely be in good timing. And then we pray, we ask God for interpretation, right? When the interpretation begins to come, let me just touch this again. Hope I didn't confuse you with uh, speaking about that first. When the interpretation comes, for me, it might be one word, it might be a vision, it might be one sentence, it might be a paragraph. But God has given that to me, and it takes my faith to begin to step out and begin to speak again. Understand that there's an entire church that's needing to hear what God is wanting to say. 
So lift up your voice and declare it. Now, the anointing upon you will, should make that pretty easy for you to do that because you're going to feel this powerful anointing and you're going to feel the voice of God trying to speak through your spirit so it won't be too hard for you to speak and to declare that loudly. Hopefully it shouldn't be and others to hear. Some of the same thing that applies to the diversities of tongues to be interpreted is also some of the same things that apply to the interpretation of tongue. You stop immediately when the release of the Holy Ghost is there. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, it didn't feel like it made sense, and I was trying to put a little bow on it and wrap it up and, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And, but when the Holy Ghost lifts, just stop right there. You don't have to lead the rest of the service. Pastor will step in. If there's need for more instructions, there'll be, there'll be things that begin to happen. Now, on occasion, uh, again, for some of the same reasons that I've spoken before, when you give a diversity of tongue, there might need to be a confirmation. Sometimes there's a word that needs to be spoken after interpretation of tongue, whether that's a prophetic word or it's a clarification or it's an edification of what has already been said, that can be okay as well. And pastor who's leading the service will direct that. So again, it's not five people giving, you know, five words and everybody saying their testimony and their exhortation, right? So it's all done decently and in order. I would encourage you that any time you feel the power of God moving upon you for diversities of tongues or interpretation of tongues, whether you yielded to it or you didn't, go to pastor, go to first lady, go to the leadership and say, I was feeling this, but I didn't. What do you think? Often God will show them who should have, all right? Often God will let us see that God's dealing with you and we can give you a word of encouragement. Yes, that was the Spirit of God upon you. It's okay. Do it here. Do it here. Let this happen. And if you perhaps went ahead and spoke, it's good to go to pastor or to church leadership and say, well, you know, I did this. Did you feel good in the Holy Ghost about it? Is it something that I could have done better? Did I speak too long? Did I? And make sure that you're learning that you're exercising your gift and you're growing in it and you get counsel and you get teaching concerning that and you're going to grow faster and mature quicker than what you would just guessing. Now, if you can't take uh, uh, constructive criticism or if you can't take instruction, uh, then it's best that you're not even used in the gifts. Is it okay if I say that, Pastor? Because none of us are going to take a gift of God and operate in full maturity with it. Gifts of God is a maturation process. He gives it to you and like a child, you're learning to stumbling walk. It takes a long time to learn how to run a, a one-mile race. It takes a long time to be the fastest sprint. You, you've got to exercise and gift yourself and let people instruct you and give you counsel and, and give you know all these things it takes. So this is the gifts of God. And if you can receive instruction, then you'll begin to mature uh, very quickly and in strength in these, uh, in these areas and in these things. Uh, are, are we clear on this? Are there any questions that someone would like to just throw out there real quick? I don't want to make this a question and answer, but I want to make sure that there's clarity uh, just with talking about diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Pastor, do you want to add something real quick with this? We're good. Okay. So this diversities of tongues that I've just PS'd into last night, uh, uh, very powerful, very much for our understanding 
and uh, can be a tremendous blessing to a church. Tremendous blessing to a, the bride of Christ. Tremendous blessing to an individual because it gives us specific direction from God about what God wants us to do right now. Most of the time that God speaks to us, always it'll be edification, it'll be exhorting, it'll be direction. Most of the time that when God speaks to us this way, there needs to be a higher level of faith for us to move to. That's why the gifts mostly operate in church services, for the lifting of our faith. And so when the gift begins to operate, diversity is a tongue, gift begins to operate, interpretation of tongue, our faith is now higher that God has come into this place specifically to speak a specific direction to us. And whatever God speaks, we do. If he's saying, I'm your people, you need to let me love you, then you need to bring down all barriers and all hurts and all unforgiveness and let the love of God surround you. He's doing a healing for your life. If he says, you know, you, you need to get on your knees and remember that I'm your God and get away from some things, then you need to take that instruction and repent all over again. And whatever God speaks to us, we need to specifically uh, follow, follow after that. Okay, good, good. Um, I think uh, because of what you have uh, seen in ministry over the few short years that I've been connected with this church, I get a lot of questions, and this is what I want to deal with the rest of our time, about word of knowledge and and the word of wisdom, and about how it operates um, in the scripture, and also about how how it operates in and through me. I will remind you, like I did yesterday, that all the gifts of the Spirit operate through different uh, diversities, different administrations, indeed different personalities. And let me say this about personalities, that in the fivefold ministry, God uses personalities. In the gifts of the Spirit, God uses our personalities. In all the gifts of God, He uses our personalities. In ministry, He uses our personality. However, if you want your ministry to be enlarged, and you don't want to be real limited in who you can influence, then the more of the Spirit that operates and the less of the personality that operates expands your influence. Um, I'm going to be vague, but most of you are going to know that I'm speaking maybe with some great um, examples that are among us in our organization today. There are some preachers that are tremendously gifted of God in revelation, tremendously gifted of God in revelation, but because their personality is so big, it's hard to receive the revelation. Now, some people, you're going to like their personality. And because you happen to like their personality, it's going to be easy for you to receive their gifting. But if you don't happen to like their personality, it's going to be difficult to receive their gifting. You're going to sit there and think, well, this is good word, but man, he comes across to me arrogant. Or he's rude. Why does he have to say that? Or he's mean. Or, or she's just personality, but we can limit our influence who actually will let us minister to them by our personality. This is why the scripture tells us things like we must decrease, he must increase. That the spirit of God in us must be what people see, not so much our personality. Now, this is a big challenge in our world, in North America and all over the world today, because our world... uh, 
celebrates superstars. And they will seemingly embrace giftings regardless of character. And even in our organization, there are, there are seemingly results that happen through certain ministries. And a lot will overlook lack of character or problems or lack of maturity because they seemingly can get some results. That, that is a worldly idea. That, that is a very carnal thing. Ministry is not what you can produce behind a pulpit or even an altar. Ministry is who you are. And it's a misnomer. It's, a, it, it's an idiocy. It's, a, it's an oxymoron to think that you're going to produce gifting in people when, when it's not here in your spirit, in your heart. So it's got to be who you are, what you live. And if you're going to minister to people, you've got to be able to love people. And if you're going to open your influence to people and spread your influence, the prayer of Jabez, then, then you've got to realize it's got to be less of my personality and more of the Spirit of God. Okay? I, I think that we're getting this across a little bit. So in words of, of wisdom and words of knowledge, there needs to be, first of all, how to stir this gift up. For me, and I think I can show you, Jesus did this as well, I need to, when the gifts are flowing or when worship is flowing, I need to look into people. The scripture says this all the time, that Jesus beheld him. And that Greek word most of the time literally means that he stared deep into him. It's not that he just saw him. He's, he's looking intently at this person to see something in the spirit. Not seeing the physical, not seeing the physical, but that there's a spiritual thing. When you watch an individual, you can see spiritual things. I hope I'm not getting too crazy for some of you. So for me, in order for the gifts of God in me to stir... I have to behold people. I've got to look into them. When you're worshiping, to me, that is the most place of liberty. You're most open. So that gives me liberty. When I worship, it stirs the gift of God in me. So I've got to be in a place of worship usually. And then I need to look into individuals. And when I look into them, I'm asking God, God, how can I minister to this individual? And if it's a word of encouragement, that is awesome. Because that's what God sends me to do. And if it's a word of knowledge, awesome, because that's what God sent me to do. And if it's a prophetic word, awesome, that's what God sent me to do. If it's healing, awesome, because that's what God sent me to do. In fact, we have got to make up in our minds why we want the gifts of the Spirit to operate through us. And we've got to realize that it's, it's got to operate not just why do we have to, but when should it and how should it. And if we don't get these things proper, we're going to spin out of control. We're going to get offended and hurt. We're going to hurt and offend others. And there's not going to be a blessing and anointing upon us because we didn't settle these things before we ever got going. I spoke it last night. I'll speak it again today. The only reason why gifts of the Spirit operate is because God wants to be very personal with an individual. He wants them personally to hear a word of edification. He wants them personally to receive healing. 
He wants them personally to receive something specifically from him. And so supernaturally, God will allow a servant to minister that straight from God just for that individual. Now, let me clarify because of what you have seen in ministry. I believe what you see in ministry as I have called people out and spoken to them is very seasonal. I believe it's for a short time. In fact, I can't find this in the Bible. I believe God is allowing us to move into this short season where it's very much demonstrated apostolic ministry for a very short time. The reason why is so that we will see the proper operation of the gifting. We will understand the spirit by which it should happen. That we would recognize that these are operating among us and that we have the opportunity as the body of Christ to operate within that. I do not believe this is something that we should continue to do for generations. I think it's a short season. And after that short season, when we understand how it should operate, when we understand when it should operate, when we've seen the flow of it and know that it can operate through us, it should naturally happen in the body of Christ without fanfare. In fact, a lot of people don't even know that Jesus, everywhere he went, was operating in gifts of the Spirit. Doesn't that sound strange that Jesus operating in Holy Ghost giftings? But that's who he was. And if you don't look into the Scripture, you don't even see it happening. I mentioned yesterday about the woman at the well of Samaria. Jesus is going to spark something in her that's going to start a revival in Samaria. But he doesn't do it for revival. He does it for her. In fact, he takes all the disciples that could have learned something, right? And sends them away. Go into the city and buy meat. And when they came back, he wasn't even concerned about meat. He sends them away just to get them out of the way so that he can sit down with this one woman and speak a word of knowledge into her life and prophesy to her and speak a word of wisdom and discerning of spirits will operate. And he's doing this all for her. Nobody else there. Now, she in turn, as I told you about uh, the miracle of the man at the gate beautiful, she in turn becomes a tremendous testimony and witness to Samaria and turns the city upside down. I believe it's why Philip goes there in Acts 8 and the place is receiving the word of God because the foundation of what Jesus did for one woman and her testimony. So understanding that eventually there shouldn't be this apostolic demonstration stuff. This is what the world wants. They want a show. They want an entertainment. They want it to be scintillating. They want it to be romantic. And they do all of that because what they want is to build huge reputation. Because reputation speaks of money, speaks of marketing, speaks of what makes the world turn around. Okay? But Jesus made himself of no reputation. So I believe what's happening here is just a short season when God's trying to let us know this is what's happening. You can have this gift. This is how it should operate. and This is where. So that we get an understanding. And then we should operate within that. And this is how it should happen. They should come to our front doors. The community should. And a host that is used of God will shake a hand and say, How are you doing? My name's so-and-so. And as the Holy Ghost moves upon them, prophesy right there. Do you know that your life will never be the same when you leave this place? 
God's going to do something for you special. And know that prophetically when they're speaking it to them. And then before they get through the door, somebody's already moved up, laid a hands on them. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And just laying a hand on them, begin to speak the name of Jesus. And they start feeling better before they ever sit down. It should just be something that naturally happens organically within the body of Christ. Because that's Jesus. That's what he does. We're his body. That's just what we do. Make ourselves of no reputation. So we have to decide, first of all, so it don't destroy us and so that we're not hurtful to other people, that we understand why do we even want gifts of the Spirit. And the reason why we should want gifts of the Spirit is to be a testimony, to be a witness. This is Christ in the world today. If, if I speak a word to somebody and they come up to me and say, how in the world did you know? There's no way that you could know. I will tell them the reason why God showed this to me is because he loves you very much. It ain't that I'm gifted. It ain't that I've got this special thing, but the Holy Ghost told me about this so that you would know he loves you and he wants to do a work for you. Always turning it back that this is about ministry to that individual. Um, I, I want to speak about proper places as well. Um, I've had tremendous uh, things happen outside of church services where, uh, for example, I was with a pastor in a restaurant and the the waiter came up, and this has happened many times actually, fresh out of a Holy Ghost service, the gift of God still strong anointing upon me, and I look at the waitress and God begins to speak to me about her life. Now, I have to be very careful here because she didn't come to church. I came to her work. She's at work. She's got co-workers. She's got... So she didn't come and invite me to minister to her. I came to her place. And so I have to be... When God shows me that, I, I, I immediately just try to shut it down. Unless the Holy Ghost won't let me shut it down. And then perhaps the next time that comes back, I will speak to that individual. I'll introduce myself. I'll, I'll tell them that I'm a servant of God or I'm a preacher, whatever they might understand. I'll tell them that we had a tremendous service and, and that God did great things. And if I see an openness, I'll go a little further. If there's no openness and she said, oh, that's fine, that's good, and she wants to go, I'll just let her go. Hold that gifting. Don't have to give that. God showed you something, the gift is operating in you, but the individual was not receptive. And so if they are receptive, and maybe a tear in their eye or them saying, you know, I've been looking for a church, then I'll say, you know, the Holy Ghost showed me something. In this particular case, I'm telling you about, I can see that your children, you've got a divorce, and your children are very much a concern of you, and you're worried about how you're going to raise them, and tears flowing down her face. And just a matter of a few minutes, it didn't matter. She's at work, she's on her knees, pastor's praying for her. She receives a gift of the Holy Ghost, and she's got a church to connect into. God will use these gifts of the Spirit in the church service, outside the church service if we use it properly. I have always prayed for God to use me and make me sensitive to the Spirit and sensitive to individuals. Because you can't force ministry on anyone. I feel like the Lord wants to heal you and you're going to receive it right now whether you want it or not, bless God. It, it don't work that way. I've heard some people... I say this, force people to get the Holy Ghost that way. It, it doesn't work that way. You find sensitive, I felt like I sounded like Brother Stone King there. It worked that way. 
you have to, uh, I don't know where that came from. Maybe a fresh anointing, I don't know. You, you have to be sensitive to people, whether it's in a restaurant where they're working or in a church service. Now, when they come down the altar, their hands up, tears flowing down their face, that's pretty receptive. But if they're standing at the altar, their arms folded, not so much. So talk to them. Love on them. See if they'll open up a little bit. Sitting back, not responding to an altar service. That's not open yet. So go back there, love on them. That's what ministry is. Show them the love of Jesus. Talk to them about how good Jesus is in the place. If walls come down, you can minister further. If not, bless them and leave. Sensitivity to people is, is very, very important. And you will find this when you begin to look into people, behold people. You'll find those that have walls up and those that are wide open. Now, it's, uh, I think it's maturity that helps you to understand whether the walls are there because of hurt and they're hungry or whether the walls are there because they don't want to be messed with. I was... Uh, I think I need to tell stories just to keep this interesting at times. I was in Coleman, Alabama, and uh, Holy Ghost showed me a couple that was sitting about halfway back. And as I'm going back to speak to them, I'm just going to shake their hand. Holy Ghost told me he has just made a derogatory statement about this church. He doesn't believe it's real. So I went back, smiled at the wife, and shook her hand. And I think she's one that comes more often. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, what's your name? My name's Tim. He said, whatever his name was. And I said, you think this is a lot of, I said bull. <laughs> you think this is a lot of bull. And uh, you think none of this is real. But I want you to know that God loves you. He's got a purpose for you. Just turned and walked away. He had just turned to his wife, and they told us this two years later, as they are now in the church and Holy Ghost and their Sunday school superintendents of that church. He told me two years later, he said, I had just turned to my wife and said, this is a lot of but he didn't use bull. And we need to get out of this place because it's just a joke. He said, nothing would have kept me in my seat and got my attention except that you came and said that so strongly to me. So whatever sensitivity that he is allowing me to touch him with, I can touch him with that and nothing else. And a lot of times you have to minister to a level and walk away. Minister to a level, walk away. I will do that in the altar if I'm not being effective. I will minister, but that if I'm not being effective in their ear, I'll let somebody else get in their ear. Effective ministry, whatever you can be. So word of, let me deal with word of knowledge, and uh, we, we'll hit this gift. What, what time is it, Lois? I've got 20 seconds. No, just kidding. I'll go a little longer than that. So uh, word of knowledge. I need to look into an individual, usually when there's an atmosphere of worship, and for me, I just know. I don't hear things, I don't see things, although a lot of minister friends that operate in apostolic demonstration tell me they do. Some say they see words over the head, some say that they hear. I I don't. I just, it's like I've got a memory that I've always known that. To me, that makes sense because the gift is a word of knowledge. It's just that you know. Sometimes I know because of association. I, I can look at people in discerning of spirits. I can look at people sometimes, and they look just like uh, uh, Brittany. Is your name Brittany? Oh, my goodness. I actually remembered that. I don't know anybody's names here. 
I can look at Brittany and think, oh my goodness, she looks just like Cynthia. Cynthia from some other church or, or Cynthia from who I was raised up, a youth group or whatever. And I might turn to my wife and say, hey, you see that girl? Don't she look, don't she look just like Cynthia? And Lois will say, no, Brittany's hair is, you know, strawberry blonde. Is that right? What color are your eyes? She's got blue eyes. And, and Cynthia has brown hair and brown eyes. She's short. She's tall. There's nothing alike. But what I'm seeing is more of a spiritual spirit. So sometimes you discern spirits because of association. You know the spirit of this individual because you've dealt with that spirit in another individual and you're just reminded of that. You can recognize anointings, discern of spirits. It's with anointings, it's with character flaws, it's with character strengths, it's with uh, mantles, and uh, you can do that a lot of times through association. So looking into an individual, um, God will give me a memory. And that memory, that's the best way that I can speak it. It's like a knowledge that I've already had. It's in my brain there. Then I've got this understanding. And it might be something like this, that there's a relationship problems they're dealing with. Now, for me, I don't want to be too specific. Because when you're operating in gifts of the Spirit, you're looking through a glass darkly. In the Old Testament, the prophets had to peer through a cloud. In the New Testament, Paul says, it's through a glass darkly we know in part. So I don't want to be so specific that I can actually veer off the shadow I'm looking at and thinking I'm interpreting something that's a little bit different. I don't have time to follow that out, but some of you will understand that. So I see that it's relationship problems, and that's all I'm speaking about. It could be relationship problems with father, mother, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, dog. Hopefully not, but... But I see the relationship problems. And as I begin to understand what God has given me, I need to be sensitive to this individual as well. So I see if they're open in their worship. I see if they're being sensitive to the presence of God. If not, in the proper time of ministry, in the altar service, or for me, perhaps, you know, while I'm ministering, I'll speak to that individual. It's okay if I speak to you. Okay if we flow. If you're flowing in the Holy Ghost and you give me liberty, and if you're not, I might speak to you. And finding that liberty shows me how much I can speak and how much I can't speak, okay? Because my purpose is not to prove I've got gifting. My purpose is not to um, wow everybody with the gifts of God. It's not even to produce revival. It's just about that individual And right now, seasonally, for the faith of the church also. So i got to make sure that I'm operating within that parameters. And so whatever knowledge God gives me, I need to make sure that I'm general and that I'm um, only going to the level that they will let me touch them and minister to them. You need to expect that as you minister, people are going to be extremely vulnerable. This is very important that you have just stripped away their mask they're hiding behind. You have just exposed some of the deepest wounds sometimes of their spirit. And if that happens openly in a church service and several people here, extremely vulnerable. So you can expect a vulnerable response. I've had people literally fall upon me and grab me and not let go. You know, that doesn't really work in the flow of the service. But you've got to be aware that they're feeling very vulnerable. They need something to tie on to. 
If someone does lean forward into me, tie on to me, I'm not afraid to hug them for a short time and then begin to minister to them and work them out of my brace into an embrace of a girl or, or my, 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 my wife or something there. So that vulnerability needs to be removed from me pretty quickly as a man and into the arms of God. Because it's not me that's knowing this, speaking this, loving this. It's the Spirit of God through us. So that has to be something we do and understand. I, I would like to give these cautions for operating in word of knowledge. The best way to begin to flow in this is in the altar. Because altars are a place where people are wide open. They have come down to touch God. They are wide open in worship and gifts of the Spirit flow so easily within altar service. As you are beginning to operate in the giftings of God, don't even try to, thus saith the Lord, I see this. Please don't do that. Because if you, while you're learning, you go a little too far or overstep a boundary, you could easily get a reputation and cut off influence. It could, it could cost you who you can minister to, where you can minister to, and to what level you can minister to as you're just learning, as you're just growing. So the best way to begin to exercise your gift is just get close to somebody, worship with them, pray with them. If God gives you a word of knowledge and you're seeing things, pray it. Just pray it. You don't even have to get in their ear and say, I feel this. Just, just start praying it. God, I pray for their relationship, that you would give them wisdom, Lord. Let a brand new love come in there. And just begin to pray for what you know in the Spirit. And if you're connecting and if you're hitting right, you're going to see an immediate response. And then it's not about people knowing that you have a ministry or that you have a gift. It's about that individual being ministered to. So it doesn't matter if you're saying, oh, Lord, just moved on me the word of knowledge. I know this, bless God. We, we don't need that. It's, it's, it, it makes problems for us and pride and problems for us. Uh, so what we need to do is just operate within that. There will be times as God begins to mature you in your ministry and you have assurance from individuals you're ministering to, you have respect and reverence from the leadership of your church, and even your peers began to know that this is how God used you. You will have times that God will move you on larger stages. And if you're not prepared and you haven't done it well in the small places, then you're not going to do well in the large places. Faithful in small things make you leader of large things, okay? So exercise that gift, operate within that gift. And again, I would encourage you that if you prayed with somebody and you felt like you had a word of knowledge, God just showed you something, you, you had a knowledge of something, then go to pastor or first lady afterwards and say, I just need to run this by you. I was praying. I felt this. I prayed that. Do I need instruction? Do I need correction? And make sure that, that you're in the proper place. This is how you mature quickly. This is how you grow fast. It's how you keep your spirit right. And so everything done decently and in order. A word of wisdom, I'm going to touch it real quickly, Then I think we've got just about five minutes. A word of wisdom is something that God gives you for direction of a people, of a church, or an individual. And in operating within that word of wisdom, it breaks them into a place where they can receive supernaturally. Now, if we looked at the Old Testament, we could actually see this kind of operation as the prophets oftentimes say, well, go dip in the River Jordan. 
That's what a word of wisdom would operate as. Telling them to go do something, and when they dip in the River Jordan, then that's what it's going to take to release them for their miracle. Understand nothing magical about the Jordan River. You say it to this guy, then you say it to the next guy. Oh, it worked last time. Go dip in the River Jordan. Not necessarily. Because it's a word of wisdom for that individual at that time. The reason why Naaman gets his healing is because he had pride problems. He couldn't recognize a God because of he, he was so big in his own eyes. He wanted to be the way that celebrated, that did the celebration. He wanted to be the one that said how everything went. He wanted to be the big shot in the show. And God says, I'm going to heal you, but you're not even going to see the prophet. You're not going to dip in some beautiful water. You're going to go to the muddiest river, and you're going to dip there because your pride needs to be gotten out of the way, and you need to realize it's all about me having an experience with God. So the reason why the word of wisdom was specifically for Naaman. When I pray for church services... I ask God to give me a word of wisdom for the altar service. I don't want to just assume that I'm going to do a traditional altar service or assume I'll do an altar service like I did before. But if there's some kind of instruction that will help that church break through into a new dimension, then I want a word of wisdom, God. Tell me how to give an invitation. Tell me what to speak to the people. Tell me what to... And a word of wisdom can be spoken. Nobody even knows it's a word of wisdom. It's just right now. Don't do this, but I might give something like this. Right now, if you'll stand to your feet and lift your hands high, even while your hands are high, step out and begin to walk down to this front. There's healing for you right now. And when you begin to hear that and you respond, it's a word of wisdom for you if God has given me specifically for that. Okay? So uh, oftentimes, God will use a word of wisdom when we are not real uh, full of faith for instruction. When we don't value, perhaps, direction. He'll be kind and merciful and give us a word of wisdom that would be the same thing of the instruction or the direction. And so the word of wisdom helps us to get to where we need, but we feel a special anointing. And because uh, the servant of God is anointed at that time, it's often how it happens. Real quickly, miracles happen usually in high faith opportunities. When your faith is so high, and there's many ministers that operate in high faith. When they start speaking, man, you feel like you could do anything. Man, God is in the place. Anything can happen right now. And people usually have a high praise atmosphere. That's usually where miracles happen. Instantaneous things change in people's life because of high faith. Faith can operate outside of covenant. Jesus proves this to the Syrophoenician woman, she's not a child of covenant. But he gives her a miracle because I've not seen this kind of faith in all Israel. And the centurion servant also, he's not a child of covenant, but he's got such faith with understanding of the authority structure of heaven that Jesus says because of high faith you get a miracle. But healing happens more in an atmosphere of love, compassion. So high faith is where you're going to expect miracles, usually. Healing is going to be in an atmosphere of deep compassion, deep love of God. Healing is usually a journey. Miraculous is usually simultaneously, instantly. Healing is usually a journey. And we miss out on healing so many times because there seems to be within the Word of God a lot of value for a journey of healing, even more so than maybe a miracle that's instantaneous. 
It's like, because uh, we understand this, it's like winning the lottery. Easy come, easy go. People win millions in the lottery, and then they're broke and destitute and divorced and everything else. It's because easy come, easy go. Sometimes miracles can be that way. But a journey of healing causes us to have faith today and to get back in the love of God tomorrow, have faith for tomorrow, and maybe a little bit better the next day. And so you continue in faith. Symptoms begin to drop off, and it's a journey where God has taught you so many valuable things of compassion and long-suffering and patience and faith walking. So a lot of what God wants to do for us in building us and making us more like Christ is healing journeys. But because we've got a confusion that we came down the front, we got prayed for, went back and we still have pain, we think we're not going to be healed. Not necessarily true. There's virtue that flows at a place where anointed elders are laying hands. Virtue flows. Healing process begins. Now what you do with that healing touch... How you worship and say, God, I might still feel the pain, but I know you're a healer and I trust you. You walk that journey. Get scriptures that help you the next day. Know that God is my great physician. Sing songs that help you. you got to stay in that atmosphere of faith, in that place of love and compassion. In fact, some people are like, uh, the church is like an incubator. And you come to church and the love of God begins to heal you. Then you get outside of it and you're never in it again until you come back to church again. And you're only being incubated and healing just once or twice a week. It's very difficult for you to be on a healing journey when you're just... Okay, I've thrown way too much at you, but I, I, I want you to maybe not just get all the information, but maybe the spirit of what's being said here and the compassion of, of how God wants to use each and every one of us. Would you stand to your feet? My sister, would you help me one more time? No, I don't want you to play. I want you to take up an offering. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to play. <clears throat> I just simply want to pray a prayer of impartation for you today. That more than hearing, but we'll be doers of the word. I've been studying and I will be preaching this in the future. I don't know if I'll preach it here. But James talks about uh, the man that looks into a glass beholding who he is. And then straightway walks away and forgets what manner of man he is. And that... um, We need to be hearers of the word and doers also. I I love it that every chance where we hear the word of God, we get an opportunity to, to at least close in thankfulness and worship. And many times to solidify some things as we come to an altar and begin to pray that. So I'm not being crude or trying to be mean. But if you don't want God to use you in ministry, then... Please don't feel any need to respond. But if you desire to let the love of God be seen through you for somebody else. You want the compassion that God has shown on you to be given to somebody else. And you're willing to let him use you. Then come down right now and stand in this front. Do you see this revival? Do you see this revival? It all begins with just finding somebody to love. 
Find somebody to love. Find somebody to show the love of God to them. God will use you in gifts. He'll use you powerfully. Raise your hands high. Let me pray for you right now. I speak impartation upon this congregation today, God. That you would use them mightily for the great revival. Use them as soul winners. Use them as prayer warriors. Use them as those that operate in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, healings, miracles, God. Discerning of spirits. I, I pray God use them in diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues. I lose the gifts of the Spirit. Use us properly, God. Use us in wisdom. Use us in sensitivity. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Now here we go. Listen to me. Open your eyes and see someone you can have compassion for right now. Look at somebody. Behold them. Behold them. And if you've got a little compassion in your heart, then just move over to them and just begin to pray with them. Let tonight even God begin to move you into a new dimension of ministry, perhaps a gift of the Spirit. There you go. While worship is happening, you still need to look around. Find somebody. Uh, yeah. Whoo! There you go. Love on them. Pray for them. Love on them. Pray for them. Keep 
music gets just a little quieter let's let's just lift our voice to him one more time and love him let's thank him tonight for what he's blessed us with let's let's be grateful and bless the lord thank you jesus
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. What a wonderful presence of the Lord in this house tonight. These kind of services will build your faith, like Brother Green said. Things happen, things in operation. Hallelujah. Just feel a heavy presence of the Lord and I believe that God's going to get his church back to be in the church that he intended them to be and some of the things that Brother Green said tonight are things we've said and strived for that these things would just be natural among God's people and it's not about having to advertise we're having this kind of service but it's just that's every service whether it's Monday night prayer Wednesday night Bible study or work day because we're his children and those gifts are there. I want us to be mindful of those things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like waiting for the Lord for another moment. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands to him one more time just to make sure God's done with us tonight. Keep a spirit of worship going. Uh,
Well, there's nothing like receiving marching orders from the Lord, is there? Go out and do exploits. Don't ever wonder if if you can make a difference because you can. Because what God put inside of you will make a difference. It'll, It'll change people's lives. Be a witness. Be a light. Be that salt of the earth. Be that Holy Ghost filled child of God. Good instruction, Brother Green, tonight. Great teaching the last two nights. I appreciate him sharing this with our church. These things, and you know, you could do a whole week on these kind of things. Just so we may do this again in a few months. He's got a couple of free nights and move on into something else because I want our church to continue to be educated and continue to grow and to be the church that God wants us to be. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Brother Green, do you have anything else to add tonight, brother? We sure love you and your family. Appreciate your ministry and your love for this church. We appreciate that. We can feel it. So glad to have everyone that's here tonight. Brother and Sister Fortner, sure glad you guys got to come tonight. We're blessing us with your presence. We love you guys so much. Appreciate you being here. Great things are coming. Believe in it. Trust it. And believe that you can make a difference. Each one of us has a ministry. And each one of us can have love and have compassion. And compassion makes a difference. And so pray for compassion, pray for that love, share it with your family. Start off easy, go with them that's closest to you and start pulling them in, invite them to church. You'll be amazed at what God will do with it with just a little bit. Praise God. We're looking forward to a great service on Sunday. Hope you can be here. If the Lord don't get us, this is where we'll be. Invite somebody to church with you. I think it is National Back to Church Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. So let's invite somebody to church. Let's, let's make it where we have to set out about 100 chairs on Sunday. How about that? Let's do that. In Jesus' name. We love you. Thank you for being here and responding to the word. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. God bless you.